you have your Bible, turn to Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts, the fourth chapter. We'll begin reading in verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which is set at naught by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. I don't know how many Little House on the Prairie fans we have here today, but if you are a fan of Little House, then you're going to know the episode that I'm talking about or going to mention. In the episode, the Ingalls family goes to the mercantile, and the mercantile is owned by the Olsons. And the Olsons are the richest people in town, as far as you can tell. Sometimes other people showed up on the show that lived in Walnut Grove, which you'd never seen before, and you never really knew if they were what they had. But the Olsons, for the most part, had it made. People had to come to them and buy stuff because they owned the only store there in town. And on this particular occasion, the Ingalls had gone in, and they were buying something and asked to put it on credit. And Mrs. Olson got a little snippety with them and mentioned that they had a sizable debt and that all of this stuff in the store, somebody has to pay for it before you buy it. And so she's reminding them that you owe us money. And there was a little uprising between the two families. And so they stormed out of the store and make a long story short, the Ingalls family all pulled together so that they can make enough money. Mary got a job and, and Laura did her chores and Charles and Carolyn did all the things that they could do to make money so that they could pay this debt off. And so they worked together. And finally they raised enough money that they ended up going to the mercantile and they and Mr. Olson made sure that Mrs. Olson, since she'd caused a little uh, tiff with the family, was there to pay, or that they could pay the bill to her. And so they took the money and they gave it to Mrs. Olson. And they bought some other supplies because they had run out of a lot of things in their house because of their uh, upset, uh, being upset with the Olson, uh, the mercantile. And so they paid the bill off. They bought more things, and here's the part I want us to remember. As they were leaving the store, Charles is standing on the porch, and Mr. Olson comes outside, and he's talking to Charles, and he says, I hope that we'll be seeing you in the store more often. And Charles said, you will. And then Mr. Olson says to Charles, I would hope, you know, when it comes to money, we've always 
done pretty well. Those are the exact words. If you're a real fan, you probably know the exact words. But when it comes to money, we kind of had it made. And I would like to think that my family would pull together like yours has to help you out. And then he looks at Charles and he says, believe it or not, Charles, I think you're the richest man in Walnut Grove. What you learn from that is that money, gold and silver, and possessions aren't always what make people rich. Sometimes the richest people are those who do not have any of those things. Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? And so I think that we learn from that passage of Scripture where Jesus says that, that our most valuable possession is our soul. That if we can have the whole world and we lose our soul, what have we gained? And so the value of our soul is something that is so important to everyone that we need to put it as a priority in our lives. And the person that can tell us what we need to do in order to be saved is a valuable person. And here in Acts chapter 4, we've, we have, uh, over the last few weeks, we have looked at the things that Jesus has done. We saw Him in the garden. We saw Him uh, hang on the cross. We've seen Him rise from the grave. And He did all of those things. He died on the cross for our sins. And He came forth out of the grave so that you and I could be victorious over the grave. And that we can look forward to eternity in heaven. And He did all of that for you and me because our soul is so valuable that He wanted to do something so that you and I could be saved. And last Sunday we looked at the book of Acts, chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit descended as Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry, and it would descend upon them. And we see that it guided them in all truth. And it continues to guide them as we continue on into, Acts, into the book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the other apostles and he preached. And what did he preach? He preached the Gospel. And why did he preach the Gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Because that is exactly what Jesus told His disciples to go into all the world and preach. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And that's what they were preaching. Exactly what they were supposed to on the day of Pentecost. We know that there was about 3,000 souls that were baptized on that day and the Lord added them to the church. And then over in Acts chapter 3, we find where the lame man was laid at the gate beautiful. And he was asking or begging for alms. And Peter and John came walking by and he asked them for alms. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. And he raised the man up and he was able to walk. He healed the man who was lame. Well, the Pharisees, or the Sadducees exactly, did not like that. Because they seen that what they were preaching, because after the miracle, it gave them an opportunity because a crowd had gathered, it gave them an opportunity to preach the Gospel again. And thousands, once again, obeyed, obeyed the Gospel. 
But the Sadducees were upset because they were preaching the resurrection of Christ. Because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels and they didn't believe in the hereafter. They didn't believe in those things. And so they were upset. And then in chapter 4, we see that they had them detained. Peter and John detained. And they were put in a hole overnight. And then the next day, they were called before the council. And then we see Peter once again preaching the Gospel. I want us to remember that they were called ignorant and unlearned. That they didn't know or they were perceived to be people that should not know what they were talking about. But I want us to understand that 13 individuals, 13 individuals did more to change the world than all those in Jerusalem at that time. They actually turned the world upside down. I want you to look at the map that I'm putting on the screen. And you can see the dark purple. And the dark purple represents Christianity. That Christianity is the predominant religion in those, color, in those countries that are in the dark color of purple. And so you can see that the Gospel has spread just like Jesus wanted it to go. Even in those countries, in the green and the orange and the red and the various countries, where Christianity is not the predominant religion, that was a, that's a map where you can click on each country, but not here today. But if you clicked on those spots, you would see that there's a percentage of Christianity in all of those countries. Now, I use the term loosely when I talk about Christianity because it includes all the denominations. But I want you to see that Christianity is something that's important. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is something that is very valuable. Why? Because the Gospel of Christ is the power of God and the salvation according to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And when people say the Gospel doesn't matter, you can't change the world, I just simply don't believe that. Oh, I know we're not going to convert everyone. We're not going to teach everyone. They're not going to obey it. But if we want to change this world, the Gospel is the way of doing it. Why were these individuals who were ignorant and unlearned the most valuable people in town. Let's look at some of the reasons. One, they were not ignorant and unlearned about the Savior. As it tells us there in verse 10, And be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him doth this man stand here before you whole. When we look at their, what the people said, or they could tell that they had been with Jesus in verse 13, the world needs people today that they can look at and they can see that they've been with Jesus. I ask you, how many in our lives, how, how many of us, when we go out into the world, when we go out into the workplace, when we go to school, when we go wherever we go, even in home in some of these places now, since we can't go a lot of other places. 
How many people see Christ in you? How many people can look at you and they can tell that there's something different about you and it's because you are a Christian? And may I remind us all that Christianity, being a Christian, what does that word mean? A Christian means Christ-like. How many of us conduct our lives in such a way that we are seen as Christ-like? You see, we can look in our world today and a lot of people know about a lot of things in education. They know about space and politics and, and psychology and all of those things. But how many people know about the grace of God? How many people know about the love that God has for their soul and how valuable their soul is? How many people know about God being the Master, the Lord being the Master, that He's King of kings and Lord of lords? How many people know that God has a plan to save their soul? I think we're reaching a point where people don't even know what sin is. And it seems to be a mystery to these priests and the Sadducees and this council that they're brought before because all they can see is the lack of an educational background that these fishermen had. And that's true today. Sometimes people look at that as a, when you talk to them. What, well, what kind of background do you have? Do you, what school did you go to? What seminary did you go to? Well, my pastor went to this one, so he has to know. We can know the Bible without having to have a formal education in it. But it seems that they're surprised that these ignorant and unlearned men now all of a sudden are speakers. That they can stand up and proclaim what the Bible teaches. And that they're bold and they're brave. And that they're now theologians because they can explain what the Scripture says. But notice what Peter did. He preached. You see, God will do whatever He can to help us. But God can do a lot with a person who completely surrenders themselves to Him. I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of times I hear people say, well, yeah... You show them what the Bible says and say, yeah, I know, but I just can't do that. Yeah, I know, but I think God understands. Well, I know what the Bible says, but, I, you know, times have changed. And we begin to make excuses. When we totally give ourselves to Christ, then He can help us because we're surrendering our will to His. And so they were important. These individuals were valuable because they knew the Savior. But they also knew the Scripture. They weren't unlearned and ignorant when it came to the Scripture. In verse 10 beginning, it says again, 
Be it known unto you and to all the house, or the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand be here before you whole. I want to stop right there. Because what is Peter preaching? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Again, that message of the Great Commission. That message is so important. That message, if you look in chapter 3, he proclaimed that to the audience or the crowd that was gathered on that occasion. And he's proclaiming the Gospel again here before this council when he's defending himself and John. <clears throat> Verse 11, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Did you notice anything there? Not only has Peter proclaimed the message of the Gospel of Christ, but he's also talking about the Old Testament passage. <clears throat> he's gone again to the Old Testament to refer to Jesus to talk about and prove that Jesus is who they should have been looking for. And so in verse 11, he quotes Psalms chapter 118, verse 22, and Isaiah chapter 28, and verse 16, where it talks about that stone that was, the, uh, was, that was rejected being the headstone, the chief stone, the cornerstone, which everything else is built off of. And so once again, I want us to point out that the answer is going back to the Bible. You know, so many times we want to read some psychologist or read some book or read something else. The Bible's the answer. We live in a world today where there seems to be an explosion of knowledge. But sadly, our increased knowledge has only deepened our dilemma that we have in taking the Gospel to the world. <clears throat> you see, these men did not know books. They knew the book, which was the Bible, the Old Testament. Abraham Lincoln said, better to have knowledge of the Bible than other books. When was the last time you heard a president say something like that concerning God's Word? <clears throat> Their knowledge of Scripture Peter and John's and the apostles equipped them to be able to serve. When we look at the great universities of America, they were founded, most of them were founded to teach the Bible. But most of them, if not all of them, got too smart for the Bible. <clears throat> they thought they were wiser than God. Now listen to what it says in Psalms chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Think about our world that we live in today. Think about our country. Think about what our leaders are working to do to try to stifle religion in our world today. 
They're trying to make it to where you can't even stand up and condemn things that the Bible plainly condemns, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and things of that nature, transgender, and all of those things. They don't want, to, they don't want you to be able to condemn that. They don't want you to call it a sin. Even though the Bible says it is. What did that passage of the Scripture say? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You can't change what God has stated and have God's blessing. We need to understand that the Gospel, the Bible, is the answer that we need to proclaim that to the world. Stop being so silent. <clears throat> These men, Peter and John, had knowledge of the Old Testament. Their knowledge of the Bible let them know what was happening. They were not un ignorant and unlearned when it came to salvation. Verse 12 says, there, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. <clears throat> when we talk about salvation, <clears throat> salvation is an important word because it means that we're being saved from something. In the Old Testament, we can look at Noah, and Noah was saved in the ark. God told him how to build the ark, told him the dimensions, how tall, wide, and, and <clears throat> deep to make it. Told him what to put on the inside and the outside, one window, one door. And the Bible says, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. And so he built an ark. And I'm sure at some point he was standing outside of the ark. And when the rain came, where did Noah need to be when it started to rain? He had to be in the ark. If he had stayed on the outside of that ark, guess what? He would have been lost along with everyone else on the outside. So he had to go into the ark. Him and his family. And let me remind you, God was the one that shut the door. But did you notice that there's water in that plane? <clears throat> That when he got into that ark and the rain came and the floods came and all the fountains of the deep broke loose, that that ark was lifted to safety, separated from the world by water. To the children of Israel, what does salvation mean at the Red Sea? Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You might remember that when they were exiting Egypt and <clears throat> they came to the Red Sea, Pharaoh had changed his mind, was sending his army after the children of Israel, and now they're pinned in. There's nowhere for them to go. The Red Sea's in front of them. There's no way for them to escape. And Pharaoh's army is coming up behind them. Moses, through the aid of God, told them to watch and see the salvation of the Lord. And the water parted. The ground was dry. What would have happened if the children of Israel would have stayed right where they were at? <clears throat> they would have perished. But their salvation was dependent upon them passing through that water that had stopped and going to the other side. Again, notice the waters involved with their salvation, with their deliverance from God. To people who are trapped in sin and the burdens of life, what does salvation mean to them? 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, <clears throat> beginning, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, I can help you. Come to me, I'll lift that burden. That burden of sin. That burden of life. Jesus is there to help us. But we have to trust Him. <clears throat> These individuals, Peter and John, could tell people what they needed to do to rid themselves of sin. And to have the salvation that God offers to them. <clears throat> they had to be obedient to that Gospel. They heard it. They had an opportunity to believe it, and we must believe it if we want to be saved. <clears throat> and we must turn away from our sin. And I'm sure that that would be hard for some of them to do, some of those in that group that were there, to turn away from their sin because Peter said, you crucified Christ. But they needed to turn from that sin <clears throat> and then put their trust in the one that they crucified. And then they had to be buried with our Lord in baptism. Again, water is part of the plan. You want to be saved, then you must be baptized. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. <clears throat> what did Peter say on the day of Pentecost? Repent and be baptized. What for? The remission of sin. Today we have to do the same thing. So those men may have been perceived as ignorant and unlearned, but they were the richest people in Jerusalem. They were the most valuable because they could tell people what they needed to do in order to be saved. <clears throat> you can be the most valuable person in your area. The need is great. But you have to give your life to Christ in order to serve Him. I want to encourage you to take time to be with Jesus. <clears throat> we don't have the opportunity to walk like Peter and John and others did. But when we spend time in His Word, it gives us an opportunity to get to know Jesus. And when we get to know Jesus we realize that some of the things that we may be doing aren't right and that there needs to be changes. Because have you ever noticed the people that you associate with, sometimes they rub off on you and you can see their attitude in you <clears throat> or how they conduct themselves. Sometimes you represent that in your life. And so forth with Jesus, we're going to act like Jesus. Saturate your mind in your heart with the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself <clears throat> approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of us study God's word? Well, I know we haven't had Bible study on Sunday morning or Wednesday. 
but I know at least in the adult class, I've made a great effort to try to make sure that everyone has a lesson to work on for Wednesday and Sunday. <clears throat> How many of us actually study it? How many of us actually look at it? How many of us help our young people, our, our kids, to study God's Word? How many of us are studying to show ourselves approved unto God? Or is that just something that we don't do anymore? I read an article and in it. It was from the church or about the church. <clears throat> and they were talking about people who are now, you know, when we first started all this pandemic stuff, we're zooming in. But they said now people are zoomed out. It was fine when it began, but now they kind of got tired. Is that your life? I know that we'd send home lesson sheets and <clears throat> books and all that for people to study. And I also know that sometimes we wait till we get here to start filling in the blanks or answering the questions. Or maybe on the way. Is that really what studying is about? Can we be what God wants us to be if we don't spend time in His Word to be with Him and His Son? We need to carry the message of salvation to others. Because when you get God's Word in your heart, you can't keep quiet about it. You have to tell someone else. It gets fire in your bones. The question is, do you have that fire? I want you to listen to what it says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. And then I'll be done. <clears throat> and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. What caused the world to be upside down to these individuals? The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we take the message of the world? Are you doing your part? Are you living like you should? Be what God wants you to be. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, <clears throat> you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.